0: The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Ephesians chapter 2, let's look if you will at verse 5. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, we want to build on our study that we shared yesterday that is incomplete without our study today. If you will, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 5. I would like you to notice a word that's repeated in this chapter that we'll briefly look at a few verses in it today. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved. Go down to verse 6 and hath raised us up together and made us all to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Go down to the end of the chapter to verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Together, 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 together together. Together. Five times in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul emphasizes that our relationship with God and the benefits that that affords us are shared together. And so yesterday we talked about the first category of college student that we should be concerned about, whether that's us or someone else, and that would be where we are settling for personal isolation. This morning for a few months, we'll look at the second part of that, stop ignoring public isolation. Others we see or living independently of Christian community. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these moments we get to share together as we all intersect in this moment you have sovereignly ordained that we might hear from you. I pray that these next few moments would be about you and our relationship with you, as well as the contributions we make in relationship with those around us. Give us, Lord, a fresh sense of burden and compassion for those around us who just need a friend, just need someone to do life with at this season and juncture. I pray, Father, that you would help us today to be open to who and where this sermon and this study applies. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. So to address our issue of isolation in a Christ-honoring way, we must not just talk about the personal benefits that we talked about yesterday morning, of being more productive, being warmed, and all the other things we talked about, not only for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of others. And so Paul here, in Ephesians chapter 2, takes us on a brief journey of how God took us from being dead, in verse 1, separated from God, into close relationship not only with Him, but with other believers. And so the word together here we find five times in this precious chapter. Uh, Many of the students in this room would have been there yesterday evening. My son and I went to the final of the two uh, semifinal guys' soccer games. And uh, I would assume this student is not in chapel today, but one of the players on the Stingray team uh, was injured, and you may have heard about that. And a play was going on, and the soccer game was winding down. We were in the second overtime, almost to the PK kick sequence of the game, and this player was injured um, right in front of the goal. And from where I was sitting, and there were stands on both sides of the field there, Grant Field, um, I could tell that his foot, with a cleat on it, was in a position that a foot should not be in. And I feel bad for this young man today, and praying for him. But what was striking to me about that moment, besides the obvious pain and, and the, the hit that was to the team who went on to win yesterday evening, um, was the fact that everybody stopped, everything stopped, and that need now became the focus of everybody that was there. And can I tell you this morning, can you imagine if instead of that, You would have seen us just continue with the game, playing around this injured player who was in tremendous pain and just, let's get on with it, let's finish the game, let's focus on what we came here to do. How callous that would be, how insensitive that would be. And yet in our midst, even this morning, possibly in this room and on this campus, are folks that are alone, or at least feel they're alone, and we don't see that as an emergency Uh, that we should. And so I hope today these simple truths in Ephesians 2 will challenge you to reach out and to do so with a sense of urgency. The question today is this, in a day where people only look out for their own, including their existing friendships, how do we develop a greater sense of responsible urgency toward those that are drifting into or are already firmly entrenched in isolation? And I'd like to give you today, in the time we have left, three areas of God-given influence that if you'll reach out to the loners, you'll reach out to those who maybe don't have the friendships and partnerships they need on this campus, that through that, God will allow you to influence them in three ways. So let's talk about that in the moments we have today. Number one, others without your friendship and without your reaching out to them will never fully trust a redemptive history alone. What God did in our past, He didn't just do for you. He didn't just do for me. He did it for us. It is a a thing that is a reminder and experienced as we share relationship with others. I don't know how many of you today are cat people. You either, most of us either love cats or we despise cats. We think they're a little shifty and sneaky and we don't turn our back to them. I would maybe be more of that category. My wife is not a huge fan of cats, and one of the things I enjoy, my wife's name is Heidi, is I love to be in a public setting. I know this is a bit um, uh, twisted or a bit maybe mean of me to think this way, but I love to watch her. will visit someone in their home, and they have a cat that'll just start winding itself around her legs, and she, I know inside, is screaming at the top of her lungs, but trying to be polite in that moment. Um, cats, I, I was just recently sent an article about cats, they have a certain ability called direct register, which means they place their hind paws in the exact same spot as their front paws. I don't know if you've ever observed a cat walk, but they literally, their their rear paws will land in the exact same spot as where their front paws have just been planted. It gives them advantages as both the one pursuing prey, a mouse or something else, to be quiet, as well as to avoid... Uh, Predators that may be pursuing them. Um, And so, this idea of direct register, and one of the things I have found is I forget about what God's done for me if I only do life alone. It's when we're together, it's when we testify and share and connect with one another around God's goodness that we remember the redemptive history that we share. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so, this gift of redemption is offered not just to you or just to me, but to all of us. And notice two things quickly he talks about as it relates to this history. First in verse 2, notice he says, "...in time past you walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. All of us prior to salvation have a past with Satan." Um, being more like the devil than like our God, and so being together reminds us of where we would be and where we were without the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, I have noticed this, that when I isolate, I tend to demonize others around me. I assume ill of them. I think ill of them, but when I'm with other believers, the grace of God reminds me that all of us share this same past. Verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. And so our past is not only satanic in nature, it also is fleshly. Uh, we failed God. We fell short of His standard. And, and so this reminder of our past is something we share together. It is a helpless history. We are helpless to deliver ourselves. We gather To remind each other of that. And one of the things that I have learned in my interaction with those that are a bit what we would call antisocial or a bit aloof in relationship, there's usually a reason for that, right? They've been hurt, they've been disappointed, they've had some baggage and history and relationships, and so we need to remind them not only of that past but of the past that we share with God. The other day, someone shared this with me. Uh, Many of you have been through the last two and a half years or so of whatever we describe these last two and a half years and all that we've adjusted to and had to navigate. But for you as a college student, the last two years, on average, for the students in this room, is one-tenth of your existence. And one of the things I've noticed is that our past often is shaped... Uh, Our view of the past is shaped by how broad our perspective is. For you all in this room, unlike me, who is about twice your age for most of us in the room, uh, my perspective is different on that. And so gathering together gives us a broader perspective of the things that we're navigating in the present tense. Without authentic gathering of believers, we are prone to humbly forget how bad off we were or would be without Christ. Who can you remind of what Christ has done? Who can you extend This grace, too, that God has put in your life. All right, go down to verse four. And notice the second aspect of this history that we review together and we remind each other of when we are in proper community. Verse number four: But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And so our history is a helpless history. Number two, it is a blessed history. It is a blessed history. Notice the little word quicken there in the middle of verse 5. Ye, we which were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together. That means God has helped us. God has blessed us. And so we remind each other of that. I, I struggle with relationship at times because meaningful relationship costs something of me. Yes, I enjoy blessings and benefits of relationship, but also it requires sacrifice on my part. Can I remind you this morning that whatever it costs you to be in relationship with God is far greater to God than your personal cost will be to have relationship with those He's put in your life. Nobody has paid a steeper price, a deeper price, to initiate relationship with loners than our God. And so we, we live in light of that blessing and we extend that to those that God has put around us. And so you see the reason for it in verse 4 is His great love. In verse 5, this love is great not only because of its intrinsic value, but because of those that are the recipients, we who don't deserve His love. In fact, go back to verse 3. At the end of the verse, it says, we're by nature the children of wrath. That's what we deserve from God. And yet God has offered to us this great great love. Why would we hoard that when he has called us to share it? I am um, not an engineer, but I'm sure there's some in the room that are. And we often talk about the efficiency of a machine. What do we mean by that? How efficient is a car? How efficient is a machine? And the efficiency of a machine is, is determined by how much it produces versus how much it consumes. Can I ask you, how much are you consuming of Christian community and how much are you producing? Who has community because of relationship with you? Who senses that and receives that and benefits from the investments that you regularly make uh, in their life? And so the only way to consistently maintain and increase our appreciation for what God has done is to frequently and faithfully gather to savor it and to share it. Even with, and especially with those that it's a bit more difficult to have relationship with. Pastor, friend of mine asked this question the other day, and it's something I keep thinking on. It brings conviction to me every time I read it, including this morning. And I think of this question because possibly and likely in this room, the odds are that seated in this room today are students who do do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. And how we relate to them often shapes their view of the gospel and their receptivity to it. But this pastor asked this question, this scenario, hypothetical, what if tonight you're alone in your room and Jesus physically appears to you? And what if he looks at you and says, listen to these words, this question, I'm going to answer every single prayer you prayed last week. And then here was the question, would there be anyone new in the family of God? Are we yearning for folks who don't share the history that we have with Christ? Are we praying for them, and are we relating to them in a way that invites them closer to our loving God? All right, so the first benefit of not ignoring public isolation is others fully trust in a redemptive history. Number two, others will never fully value an enriched future alone. Will never fully value an enriched future alone. I shared this in seminary chapel uh, earlier this week, Um, just a random question I posted in some of the ministry forums I'm on and on Facebook, the following question, I said, would you give me, and hopefully this resonates, you know what a Chuck Norris joke is? You heard these things about Chuck Norris, the most amazing man ever to live? Um, I don't know how he feels about those jokes, I'm sure he doesn't mind. But I just said in the post, I said, give me your best Chuck Norris jokes. And these are just a few. Either you view these as highlights or lowlights, okay, of humor. But humor me, all right? Here are a few. I'm a dad. These are dad jokes. Number one, when Alexander Bell, these were ones I got, uh, this post got blown up. It's the most popular Facebook post I've ever had, was asking for Chuck Norris jokes. That tells you my contribution to social media. But here were a few responses. Number one, when Alexander Bell finished inventing the telephone He had a missed call from Chuck Norris, okay? I like that, it's a good one. Number two, the boogeyman checks under his bed for Chuck Norris, okay? That's who he is. And then my favorite one, number three, when Chuck goes swimming, he doesn't get wet, the water gets Chuck. Um, Can I tell you today, this morning, that there is a temptation in each of us to try to be self-sufficient, right? To be autonomous. I don't need nobody, I don't need no thing. I'm a self-made individual. And yet, may I say to you today, even those who pretend to have that mindset or have that profile, though they act like they don't need relationship with you, Chuck Norris style, they know they are missing out and they they are yearning for meaningful connection. Are we willing to offer it to them? In fact, study after study shows I was just reading one recently. The need for people to feel connected to others runs so deep and universal. One study revealed that even being ignored by a group a person wants nothing to do with has the potential to have them feel left out. We even want to be in on groups we don't want to be in on, if that makes sense. We yearn for relationship. So confidently reach out to those God has planted in your life. All right, two things quickly as it relates to this future that we can can anticipate and savor together. Verse 6, hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Number one, a transformed future. Being together reminds us that the future is not going to be the same as today. With all of its challenges and all of its burdens, gathering together reminds us the future is better. The future is worth waiting on and looking forward to and living in light of. In fact, in verse 6, it says that basically in God's eyes, we're already with Him in heaven. Uh, That's how secure and how uh, fixed this reality is in our relationship with God. And so it frees us from being occupied by the trivial as we share time together and instead to live in light of eternity. All right, verse 7, a second one quickly, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Number two, not only is it a transformed future, it is an experienced future. We will see it, we will touch it, we will feel it, we will interact with it together. One commentator said this on verse 7, this miracle of transforming grace will be the subject of eternal revelation that will never be exhausted. Heaven will be our school. God will be our teacher. His grace will be our subject. We will be His students, and the school term will never end. It'll just go on and on and on. That's the experience that awaits us. We ought to live in light of it this morning. Um, I'm not from a part of the world where these grow. We're in the midst of fall. In fact, right now, it'll be about peak season uh, in the fall. is was a big deal in Ohio. But uh, I've been to places that have sequoia trees. And I was reading the other day, it was talking about kind of how these trees grow and thrive. And these trees, shocking it as shocking as it is, these trees that can grow to 300 feet plus tall do not have very deep root systems. Um, as they reach to the sky... What stabilizes them? And what's interesting, you'll notice with sequoia trees, is that they grow in clumps. They grow in community. It's not the depth of their roots that, like the, very normally, are only four or five feet deep. It's the fact that they're all interconnected. They support each other. When the winds blow and all the present tense things that are going on, they still reach for the skies because of the connection that they have to one another. And may I say to you this morning, without consistent community, we will not lean forward or reach upward to meet the future that God intends for us. Instead, we will digress into temporal things, distractions that move us away from the future that God is preparing for us. All right, let's lastly spend a few moments toward the end of this chapter. Go down, if you will, to verse 14. And there's a third gift or experience that we will not share alone. We must share together as it relates to God's blessings in our lives. Look at verse 14. For he, this Christ, that's referenced back in verse 13, he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Go if you would to verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Lastly, number three, others will never fully enter into a constructive present alone. The thing that God is building, we cannot be a part of what God is building if we stay isolated, and neither can the person we're trying to minister to and reach. Um, I don't know what your view of adulthood is, but I know, I remember when I first became an adult, uh, being shocked by different things, in fact, that grown-ups are really just kids trying to hide it, you know, things they love and things they're interested in, and I remember some of those things, but... uh, Someone said this, one of the weirder things about adulthood is having a favorite stovetop burner. Any of you process this? Listen, and nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about this. Mine, just to be honest, just to let, let you connect with me today, is the front right burner. That's my go-to burner on stove, okay? There are things, some agreement there, there, there are things that we just, we don't talk about uh, we don 't connect on, and as it relates to the present, God is doing some things that we need to share in together, mutual experiences and priorities that God is uh, behind. May I say as it relates to these three perks of Christian community that we initiate, the first two are more on God. This third one rests largely in our at our feet we 're responsible to be a part of what God is constructing and building. So what is he trying to build right now? Two things. Number one, a reconciled present. God is trying to build, in the present tense, reconciliation between people. One of the things I love about this college, I remember this as a student, I've seen it as I've, you've been very gracious and kind to me as I've walked on campus this week, is the diversity of this student body. Uh, students from all over the world that come to attend here and many good friends I have that Uh, Rarely do I see them now, but we still connect online, gifts, friendships that we made while we were here. In verse 14, you notice the reconciliation is between the Jewish and the Gentile believers. In verse 18, the reconciliation is between in this newly assembled society between these people, both Jew and Gentile, and their singular God. God was reconciling them to one another, reconciling them to him in a singular way. And so this morning we have peace and access to God that is intended by him to be practiced together. Why else would he go to such lengths to remove barriers and to give us such a costly, common foundation to build relationship upon? May we steward that well. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves, he talks about friendship. I'd like you to think about this for a moment. He said this in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years' difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another that's what jumped out at me in relation to our context this morning the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting any of these chances might have kept us apart that is, with our friends. But for a Christian, there are strictly speaking no chances. A secret master of ceremony has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can also truly say to every group of Christian friends, ye have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. And then he concluded with this, the friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. Think about this for a second this morning, college student, who is well-connected and well-friended, if you will. Those relationships, God has brought those people to you. And my question to you, who is God sending you to, to be that master of ceremony, connecting us with new folks or reconnecting with those that we've not lived up to our side of the relationship? A reconciled present? God is not trying to divide this student body. He's trying to bring you closer together so that he can build in this place and the churches represented what he has intended in this present world. All right, let's land in 21 and 22. Would you go to the end of the chapter now? And he says this, "...in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord." Here's the construction. "...in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit." So it's a reconciled present. Number two, it is a a dynamic present. It's growing. It's thriving. It's not fading and faltering. Can you imagine the Ephesians reading this for the first time? Many of them Gentiles who were not even allowed beyond the outer courts of the temple. They had very limited access to God in the Old Testament construct. And now they are told that they, with their Jewish brothers and sisters, that God is building them and then He's going to inhabit them. Now, this intimate access, this dynamic present experience with God. You may say today, Pastor Snowd, if I follow through in what you're challenging me with today, it's going to cost me, it may affect my present relationships. May I say to you, as one author said, spurring each other on to welcome strangers in Christ's name will not weaken our friendships, it will deepen them. Team up with someone that you're already friends with and love on and minister to the need of someone else who needs that uh, in this moment. And so if God is His big building project right now and where He wants to inhabit is us as believers, why can't we get beyond our differences? Why can't we engage more fully in leaving Our isolation. I was reading a book the other day uh, about the rise of the British Empire under Elizabeth I, and um, I know I'm a bit of a nerd. I didn't have it for a class, I just enjoy reading. And um, they were talking about folks from Brazil that they had transported from Brazil back in the day to Europe uh, before the interaction between the Western Hemisphere and the Eastern Hemisphere was a normal thing. And the Brazilians, as they walked through specifically France, they were shocked by the disparity between the wealthy and the affluent and those who were impoverished in that, uh, that setting. And the book said this, they were shocked at the extreme inequality of the French. Some of them gorged to the full with things of every sort, while others were beggars at their doors, manciated with hunger and poverty. And then here was the, the thought. That gross inequality could never happen in Brazil where people were viewed as halves of one another and so found it strange that these poverty-stricken halves could suffer such injustice. Do we view others as our other half, not just in the marriage context, but that they're a part of us and we're a part of them and we have obligations to one another? So may we not say today we're better off without those people. May we instead lean into relationship with them. Now may I conclude with this. As I prepare to go back home and you guys finish out your semester here, why would I come talk about depression and things we need to stop doing? If we're not careful, we come to chapel and it's all about vitamin level things. Here's something you can take or not take, you can opt in or opt out of. Instead of this is a painkiller, this is what kills loneliness and kills disconnection and allows God to enter into relationship. Look at verse 13. And I love this verse, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What could God do on this campus if we would reach out to those that are drifting, those already firmly entrenched in isolation, what could God do? Here's the question, will you choose this morning to help those around you personally experience the past, the present, and the future revealed in Christian community? You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.